Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. Casey's the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. Just the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan, and I have the wonderful crew surrounded me today. Uh, so we got Mark Kastner, Tim Foss, and Susie Rance. Why don't you guys all say hi, and people can... Get to know your voices. Hello. Hello. There you hey. go, all at once. That was perfect. <laughs> uh, anyway, so the Sounders are coming off a uh, a three one win over LAFC in the first round, round one of the MLS playoffs. This is the twelfth straight year that the Sounders have qualified for the Western Conference semifinals, which is a pretty great achievement, if I if I do say so myself. Uh, it is there. They have all these records. They they are they've qualified for the playoffs twelve straight years, which is a record. They have a thirteen game home on our uh, winning streak at, in the playoffs. That's a record. Uh, and in some ways, the most impressive, I think, they have a six game overall playoff winning streak, which in the post shootout era is actually a record. Uh, you got to go back to the ninety. 90- Six through 98 DC United, who won 13 straight uh, with the help of some shootouts. They even used shootouts in, in random playoff games back in the day. Uh, but they never went more than six straight without winning in a shootout. So it sounds like, Im- go ahead. It sounds like Major League Soccer has been making up playoff rules for a long time. Yeah, they have. <laughs> and, we, and, we, and they just made another one. Uh, so they moved. This was like the way they've scheduled the playoffs this year is so bizarre, I think. They, moved first of all they had the western conference and eastern conference semifinals on different days uh the eastern conference were all played on sunday the sounders are playing tomorrow that's tuesday uh and and then minnesota and kansas city are playing we're supposed to play on wednesday they moved that to thursday to get it onto big fox because fox had an opening thanks to the ravens game getting moved because of covid and and then as a result of that they moved the Western Conference Finals to the seventh, which is good because if the Sounders end up hosting that game, which is possible, uh, if if they play Minnesota, that would be their hosting. Uh, they would have had to figure out how to schedule around the Seahawks. So good compromise <laughs> there. But now you have potentially an MLS Cup where you're going to have the Western Conference team and Eastern Conference team on different days of rest, which it's great. Great. Who could have seen any of this coming? Right, exactly. It's it was all laid out so wonderfully. Trying to hold this thing during COVID, uh, but let's start with we'll get to tomorrow's opponent later on. But let's start with the LAFC match. I don't think I know some people said that this was somehow a uh, it, it it was like the greatest performance in Sounders history or something in this. I don't, I don't think it was that, but it was a fun game to watch. Uh, the Sounders created a bunch of chances. I think, you know, Brian Spencer got to flex a little bit of his technical acumen in, in this one, uh, getting the best of Bob Bradley yet again in a, in a playoff match. 
Uh, Susie, let's start with you. What did you what did you see in the in the LAFC match? Yeah, I would agree with your assessment that it was fun to watch, um, which honestly is a little rare sometimes in playoff matches. Uh, but this one was just fun. Uh, I think that it was definitely one of their better performances. It's hard to say best in the playoffs. Um, in, in particular, just because LAFC was not, didn't bring, didn't have their best players on the field. Um, I think what I loved the most though, was just how good the Sounders were in transition. Um, it was just fun to watch their movement when they got the ball and to be able to quickly get down the field against a team like LAFC. So I think, I mean, transition games are really fun to watch. So that probably contributed to it quite a bit, but I think that was my my biggest takeaway from the game. Yeah. I mean, it was the, the Sounders created a lot of opportunities in that one. And if it was, you know, the funniest thing I think is their best chance was one they didn't convert. And that was new who setting up Jordan Morris for a chance that I think as soon as he made that pass, all of us thought like, Oh, there's the, I think it would have been the third goal at the time. Uh, luckily Jordan got that one back later on, but on a much tougher finish, I should say yeah. left left footed and, and going across the grain and he had to beat a defender. Um, any, any individual performances stand out for you, Tim? Um, you know, I, I think maybe the, the most popular standout performance from that game was Alex Roldan, who, you know, it's nice to see another masterclass at right back from Roldan. Uh, it is, I don't know, it just is so impressive to see how far he's come in the time since he got drafted and particularly in the last year since he got cut and came back as a trialist. Um, that game against LAFC really showed, I think, the best of what he has to offer from his passing to just crosses put on a dime um, and his ability as a, you know, defensive contributor, I think earlier, like I remember watching the preseason friendly against Sacramento where I think it was the first real chance to watch him play it right back with some of the other big names around him and thought that he could be a decent backup option based on what he offered going forward. But kind of discounted what he might be able to do as a defender. And I think in the last two games, he's really shown that his defensive ability is at the very least, not a liability, um, but is a genuine positive for the team that then helps him be able to contribute going forward. And uh, I think I had missed until rewatching stuff yesterday, but even on Ladero's goal, it, starts with him putting a beauty of a ball into Ladero's chest that starts the whole thing and, um, you know, isn't going to get on the stat sheet with much of that stuff, but he really was an important part of so much of what the Sounders did in that game. You know, it was funny. He was going up against Christian Torres, who was a 16-year-old, and I felt like the whole time he was treating him like a 16-year-old, which I mean in a – like he just really bossed him. Like he at no point was he, it was like every time Torres tried to dribble him, he was just like, nope, not having any of this. He he, I don't think got beat once on the wing. 
he and he was just so calm in possession the way he collected balls and he you know he had a couple like Cruyff turns and things like that but he just looked so relaxed and it was I don't think he and I don't think this is overstating things I don't think he ever in his whatever two or three years as a midfielder had one performance where I thought like up oh, there that's if he can just do that every time he's a keeper like at the best he faded into the background but on, there was a lot of times where he just was not offering enough for one reason or another. Like he was an okay defensive player and and he could maybe, you know, help you out at, if you're trying to close it at a game, but you never wanted to see him on the, on the lineup sheet, I don't think. And he's had at least two or three performances this year as a right back where you're like, no, this is a, if he's our starter every week and he plays like this, I'm happy. Yeah. I yeah, think I, the, you go ahead. I think the biggest compliment you can you can give Alex Roldan is actually looking at the heat maps of the game and the heat map in particular of Carlos Vela, who everybody knows Carlos Vela loves playing on the right. He's left footed, but given the circumstances that one Seattle was in, but also the circumstances that LAFC was in without their two um, other uh, Uruguayan star uh, forwards, uh, Vela did not go and play on the left at all on his left, which would have been Alex Roldan's side at all. He, he didn't play there at all in the game, not even for five minutes. He, he ended up on the left a couple of times for corner kicks, but it, that to me says a lot about what Bob Bradley thought about the game and also how LAFC's players thought about the game. It's like they saw this guy who everybody knows, number 16 on the Sounders is the backup right back, and they couldn't get anything from that side of the field. So they decided to keep trying to attack Nuhu's side, which um, I'm sure we'll come on to, who also had a good game. But yeah, I, I think I think that kind of says says everything about Alex Roldan's performance in that game for me, is that they didn't have the best player in the league go and try to play against him at all. Well, yeah, I think that's a great transition into talking about Nuhu because he made one mistake. You know, he Or maybe you could call it two mistakes. He had a bad clearance and then he followed that up by a bad challenge on Carlos Velo, which was led to the penalty, which of course Stefan Fry saved. But other than that, I thought he was among, among new best games too. And that was a, he had his hands full with Carlos Vela. He never looked overmatched. He never, you know, he, if anything, that play that he gave up the penalty was that it was overconfidence. Maybe like he tried to play the ball. I think, he just tried to be a little too cute with his clear, like instead of clearing it, he tried to keep possession and, and then he just got caught in a, in a bad tackle. But that was, I thought a very solid performance from Nuhu. And he was doing all the stuff that we've been saying all along that if he can just do, he's suddenly, you know, a top left back, which is providing decent service. Um, I don't know. Any, do you have any, I assume you guys have more you want to say about Nuhu. I'll go first. I mean, I think, yeah. I thought he, what he brought complimented Alex Roldan so, so much like Roldan obviously put in some incredible crosses and some from deep and like his crossing was far superior to Nuhu's, but Nuhu is so fast and he was able to get to the end line and that created that opportunity with Jordan Morris. So to have players who can do both from both sides offers a ton. Uh, the thing I loved too about Nuhu I don't know people have this had this commentary in the past that I haven't agreed with which is like sometimes his body language doesn't like put he doesn't seem like he's supportive of his teammates sometimes um 
What I loved about the Jordan Morris play was obviously Jordan should have scored. Knew who was kind of like, ah, come on, in his reaction. And then it immediately started to sprint back to defense. And I just like, you know, he didn't let it sit with him. He just did his job. And I, yeah, I thought it, he put in such a good performance. I think the, I think the thing about new who that is sort of, uh, this observation is, is kind of lacking, I think, in terms of what, what's out there in, um, in the commentary. And I'm sorry, my dog's squeaking a toy in the background <laughs> is at, Everybody compares New Who this season to Brad Smith last season. And I don't think that that's fair at all. Um, I've obviously been on the record previously about my opinions about New Who and whatnot. But I think the way that this team plays this year fits New Who's style so much better than even the way the team played last year with Brad Smith. And I thought Brad Smith was one of the better left backs in in the league the the way that this team is is holding possession is, is much more in the middle of course with when you have a player like Jao Paulo why wouldn't you want to use him and of course Nicholas Ladero and Christian Roldan and the the left back position and the right back position are are more auxiliary outlets now whereas last season it was basically <laughs> get Brad Smith the ball and see what happens. And it, you know, obviously it worked really well because they managed to win MLS cup. But I just think that this team is so much more measured this season in terms of, of how they can break you down. And I think in La in new who's last seven or eight games, you're seeing the faith that Brian Smetzer's given him in, in that, in that offensive third with passes like that, that chance that he made to Jordan that Jordan should have scored. Yeah, I think, you know, the it's funny how thoroughly all of these sort of positional questions within the Sounders um, are interconnected and one has a knock-on effect to another that the team plays so much more through the middle because they have Joao Paulo, who, you know, if you have Christian Roldan next to him, Roldan can cover a lot more ground and allow Joao Paulo to focus more on what he's really good at, which then creates more opportunities for the players on the wing, like Jordan Morris and Jovan Jones, to create attacking opportunities themselves. And Jordan has grown so much as a provider and a chance creator rather than just someone who scores goals that you know, you don't need your left back to create chances in the same way that they depended on Brad Smith to create chances or in the past depended on Joan Jones as the left back to create chances. And so playing Nuhu at left back and Nuhu playing the way that he has been allows Jordan to do a better job. It allows Christian and Joao Paulo to do a better job, which allows Nico Ladero to do a better job. And if you have those things happening, then Jovan Jones can play at right wing and he can be the sort of skeleton key to defenses or when you, what you need him to be is someone who just helps hold on to possession. He is such an underrated player in that aspect. I think you know, one of the criticisms that I saw of the team's play from the LAFC game was that Joven Jones was sort of a waste at that right midfield spot that he didn't really contribute. He put almost no passes wrong and 
most of his passes were, you know, sideways or backwards, but it was doing that under pressure. And after he, you know, juked a guy out of his shorts with a sombrero and then maintained possession and it leads to something else later, but also he didn't really have to do much because Alex Roldan just cooked on the right side all game and created half of all of Seattle's scoring opportunities. So he does what is necessary and he's able to do that because, you know, starting with new who at left back. I think that's a great observation. And I think that it's like, what's so exciting about the way the team is constructed right now is that they can beat you in different ways and you don't need all, you know, 10 outfield players to be generating a bunch of scoring chances. Like they can play roles and it's not a bad, if, if you're getting five or six opportunities just out of your front four doing their thing, that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, especially when you've got dynamic players that are capable of changing the game. They just don't need to be doing it constantly. And, and it's just been, it's been a real joy to watch this, this team when they're, when they're hitting on all cylinders. And it, it really gets me excited to think of like, if they can get Javier Arriaga also onto this squad and like get that little element of passing from the center back position, that'd be great. But you know, for all the criticisms of Shane O'Neill, and I think they're perfectly legit. I thought he was, he was perfectly serviceable in that role in his role that the Sounders needed him to play against uh, LAFC. Like he, he put in that great tackle on, on Bella right at the start kind of sends a message. And then he didn't really do anything wrong the rest of the game. That's my yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, um, it, I, I think actually some of this, like him, him getting more playing time this year is just good cutting into the playoffs. If they're going to rely on him, just because I think my biggest criticism of O'Neill is just, he seemed to be out of sync at times with the defensive line and they just didn't seem to be one would step and one would drop. And, um, it, it just got them out of position a lot. So having just more time um, has been really helpful. And and I think the one thing, I I also put full faith in him if they're going to have to use him moving forward. Um, but I just didn't think LAFC pressured them as much as they have in the past, which which was great to the Sounders' benefit. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I do wonder how much of that was Bradley Wright Phillips took a pretty bad knock. Uh, I want to say around the 30th minute, uh, Cisniega, basically ran into him on a, on a yeah, and he had kick. to come off much earlier than he was. Yeah. He ended mind. up coming off at, uh, at halftime, but it didn't look like he was really ever, he only had nine touches in the game. And so I wonder how much Trump, more trouble that would have been if, you know, a fully functional Bradley Wright Phillips is in there. Um, but I, given how the Sounders played, given what I suspect are the availability restrictions that they're going to have coming into this game, I actually, I think I would, I'm tempted to just let them run it back in the complete 11 that they ran this last time. Let Alex Roldan have another start. There's no, to me, there's no, re- Kevin, Kelvin Leardham hasn't played in almost a month now, or he hasn't started in almost a month now uh, because of injuries and whatever else. Why not? You know, like there's no reason to rush him back and expect 90 minutes. Like he can come off the bench. He, we, we understand he's back in training, but I don't know that he's 90 minutes fit. If he's not 90 minutes fit, why not just let him play? you know, come in in the 60th or 70th minute and, and roll with them as long as you need to go. Uh, and even, we don't know if Ariaga, like I haven't heard one way or the other if Ariaga is available, but in the best case scenario, he's going to have two days of training again 
two days in the last three weeks or so feels like Shane O'Neill's start there too. And I don't know that there would, you would be tempted to make any other changes. Gustav Svensson, best we know is not going to be available. Um, has on Friday, they said he hadn't been medically cleared. They made it sound like he wasn't going to be medically cleared. Uh, so any, does anyone have any suggestion? Like, do we need to see any changes to this lineup at all? I don't think so. I think, I, I think like I, like I mentioned how this team is playing is so balanced and I think it protects when the team is at their best, it protects Shane O'Neill's weaknesses. I do think that there were, there were two instances where I would have liked to see Shane O'Neill do better. One was actually on the new who mistake. Um, that probably should have been Shane O'Neill's ball to clear to begin with, but it goes over his head. And then, and then um, second, the Carlos Vela header that, he inexplicably inexplicably missed um, Vela just kind of roasts Shane and that we would probably be having a different conversation about the game, but Hey, that's soccer. The ball didn't go into the net, which is the point. Um, I I'm perfectly fine with Shane O'Neill. It, it feels a lot, a lot like last year's playoffs where Brian seemed committed to one center back partnership with Roman Torres and Kim Kihi, even though at the time, Everybody was saying that that's probably not the best partnership and it worked. And I just kind of think that that's the way Smetcher does the playoffs. He's really good at winning playoff games. And I, who am I yeah. to say that he should do something different? <laughs> yeah, he's right up there with Gary Smith in terms of playoff win percentages. Um, <laughs> I cannot believe that, by the way. I was shocked to see that Gary Smith was like six and one in the playoffs in his career. Um, and his only loss came like last night or something, right? No, that was his second loss. The other uh, one, second loss. Okay. He, I think he had lost one other game, but it was anyway. We don't need to talk about Gary Smith. <laughs> uh, but that good transition to FC Dallas. Uh, this is a, a young team who seems to perpetually be a young team who is kind of one step away from making the leap into MLS elite. And the Sounders seem to always be the team that's getting in their their way. Uh, this is the fifth time the Sounders are going to be playing. This is the, I guess it's only the third time that the Sounders are the higher seed. Uh, but it does feel like the Sounders are always the veteran team and FC Dallas is the kind of up and coming one. Is there any, like, how, what, what do you, what do we look at? When we look at FC Dallas, what are we seeing? Are they a team to be feared? Are they a team to be taken seriously, but ultimately a team the Sounders need to handle? What's your, what's your take on FC Dallas? My take um, is, I guess, in, in particular in the last game they had against Portland, uh, they sat back a lot, um, packed the box. And I know the Sounders have at times struggled against teams that, that do that. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how the Sounders respond. I also think they weathered the storm a little bit against Portland um, for, for some of the games. So I feel like if the Sounders can score early and set the tone, it'll be a much different game than if they don't. <laughs> yeah. The thing that worries me about FC Dallas is uh, so this, I was talking with somebody over the weekend and saying that out of all the times that the Sounders have, have faced FC Dallas in the playoffs, this is probably the best Sounders team and also probably the worst FC Dallas team. Hmm. Like I, I don't think the gap has ever been bigger than it is currently. And I fully expect 
Um, and I think everybody should expect the Sounders to win this game. And there's the quip that people are going to use if the Sounders <laughs> do lose. But here, like, I think Luch e. Gonzalez, uh, he gets he gets a lot of hype through his youth development and stuff. But I think one thing that impresses me about him above everything else is he learns his lessons very well. And I think he was a bit naive last year in, in the, um, in the first round game. I think that Dallas played a lot better than the Sounders, but the Sounders had the better quality on the pitch and they managed to get the more goals and so on and so forth. And I think that, I think that that might, might be something to look for. Like how, how does Lucci Gonzalez approach this game? What are the, what are the lessons that he has learned and how has he been able to, uh, relay that information to his team. They also have two, um, two better players on the roster this year than they did last year. Uh, they're number 10 who I'm blanking on his name, but he's Colombian. He's pretty good. And then um, Jara, the, the, um, the number nine that they got from, from Mexico. I think he's, Arge he's originally from Argentina. Like those are the types of player, like, yes, they're, they are a youth team, but they brought in those types of players that have, that are, you know, in the prime of their careers. So those are the things that worry me about this team. Like I said, I, I do think that the Sounders will, you know, handle that situation pretty well. But I think that while, while yes, FC Dallas is a youth oriented team, kind of the spine of their team now is a really good veterans. And that kind of worries me that and their, their manager being able to um, kind of have a free hit here because everybody's expecting him to lose. <laughs> I think you're, yeah. you're, I assume the guy you're talking about is Mascara, right? The, uh, no. um, the Colombian midfielder is, um, I was just email. This makes great radio. I was just emailing with the <laughs> FC Dallas guy. Uh, Andreas Rick. Oh, Carte. Is that how yeah. you say that? Quarte. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thanks. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the thing that really makes me feel better going into this game, because to Mark's point, Lucci definitely, if you watched that Portland game, learned his lessons from last season and going out to the Sounders that, his team would prefer to be on the front foot and attacking, uh, but they are willing and capable of sitting back and, you know, trying to hit on the counter. And the Sounders struggled the last time that they ran into a team that did that in that game against Portland. But that game also came during a run where the Sounders pretty consistently looked tired um, when there were reasonable questions being asked asked of the team's substitution patterns and the lack of rotation within the squad. Um, but that was also the issue the previous, previous time they'd played LAFC and they got two weeks of rest and then they came out last week and blew the doors off of LAFC effectively. Um, with another week of rest, there's no reason that anyone should be going into this game looking exhausted uh if everyone's rested this team again has the quality to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with just about anyone and come away with a win 
they also didn't have Jovan Jones during those games and he is so helpful when it comes to finding the right pass to unlock a defense and you may only need to do that once. So I feel pretty good. I think the thing that gives me the most confidence going into this one is kind of an observation from Schmetzer about the game against LA. And I think it says something about the way this team is built. And, you know, he, I was asking him if he was enjoyed watching the game again, just as like a fan, because it was a fun, like I said, it was a fun game to watch. And, and he was just like, yeah, you know, it was, it was fun, but as a, as a coach, the, there was a moment in the game that he was really amped up about. And it was like in the 83rd minute, I actually went back and watched it the other day. And it was this little exchange where the Sounders put in a counter press after turning the ball over LAFC breaks it and they push into the attack and the Sounders end up uh, recovering and, and, and forcing a, a throw in. But in the meantime, they're able to get all 10 outfield players behind the ball. And this is up 3-1, and you've got Raul Rui Diaz chasing down passing lines. You've got Jordan Morris uh, haranguing, you know, haranguing players. And this is just like they're up 3-1 in the 83rd minute, and they don't have you know two of their offensive players looking for a counter. Everyone's back defending, and it's this mentality that I think that they have where it's like, no, they're going to put in the hard work uh, because if you put in the hard work, you get to have fun on the other end. And I just feel like that mentality is is so important to Brian Schmetzer teams. And it's like they have these talented players, but they have these talented players that just buy in and it's cliche and it's not sexy. And it's and I get it. It's it's not as much fun as as breaking down, you know, passing movements. But if you've got all 10 guys on the same page, that's just that's what's going to win playoff games. And it's and it and it's fun to watch and it's. And it, I think that's what gives me the most hope for this team really pushing forward is that they seem to be able to be focused just better than anyone else. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I was thinking about that a lot this past week and the phrase, the team is the star gets thrown around a lot when there's a team that is very specifically built on a particular system or you know, particularly in MLS circles, we heard it a lot during the Jason Christ uh, RSL days that the team was the star. They didn't have superstar players. The system was really the focus and they were building on a budget and just getting people to buy in. Uh, but that really does feel like the thing that you could point to as what makes Brian Schmetzer's teams successful is that the team is the star. The focus is winning. It's not individual plaudits or records it's scoring goals and winning games and everyone wants to win games on this team um which yeah just might not always be the most entertaining but comes with a lot of fun times for sure well i think what's what's remarkable about it is that you have it's not like this is a team of of lunch pail guys just happy to you know put in their shift it's like Nico Ladero, who quite possibly the best player in MLS over the last four or five seasons. Raul Rui Diaz, possibly the best striker in MLS. Jordan Morris, uh, quite possibly the best American attacking player in MLS. You know, you go down the list and these are super talented players who aren't, who aren't just like relying on their talent. They're also putting in the work. 
I think, yeah, I mean, Ladero just set that tone. I, if I played with that guy, I would be like throwing my body on the line all the time. <laughs> exactly. just, just like he does. He sets the tone as the captain in number 10 and everything else. Um, I just think too, I, I just love and don't even think he gets enough credit what Raul Ruiz does, does on both sides of the ball. Like he's just, there's no striker like him in the league. And um, you, you mentioned just that play in the 83rd minute or whatever, but he does put in so much defensive work that often goes unnoticed, but um, it makes him so much fun to watch. I just, I love watching him. And I think that was one of the things that we were not expecting at all. Like he, to me, the way Raul Rui Diaz was sold when the Sounders signed him was like, well, he's like a really talented Chris Wondolowski. Like he's kind of a, a poacher and he, he spends most of his time in and around the box. He's not going to get a ton of touches, da, 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 da. But no, he's actually like a full, you know, like he's contributing in possession. He's contributing on defense. He's doing all these little things and he doesn't need a lot of touches to be effective. You know, I look back at, I compare that to, you know, uh, Nashville was on national TV the other day, I guess, uh, Sunday. And, um, and the announcer in that game was talking so much about how frustrated he was with Hani Mukhtar and how he wasn't tracking back. He turned the ball over and he wouldn't get really involved. And I think like what a contrast that is. And this is a player, the Sounders, the Sounders almost signed by the way. Uh, and if they had signed him, they probably wouldn't have been able to sign Raul Rui Diaz. So it's kind of funny that it worked out this way. But you look at, the, and, and maybe he would have bought in if he was with Brian Schmetzer. Maybe it would be a different player. But I just think it's an interesting contrast between like the work he's doing and the work that Nico Ladero is doing. And like clearly Mukhtar is a very talented player, but Ladero is willing to put in so much more work that even when he's not playing well, he can be effective. Yeah, I think I think if uh, MLS is such a unique uh, league to operate in, we've seen a lot of very good players come here and not be very good. And I think, uh, and if you and if you look at the teams that have had sustained success, they've always had their best player be the one that works the hardest. Uh, Sounders fans will hate me bringing this up, but it's just like Robbie Keane uh, for the LA Galaxy, like. I, Robbie Keane might be my least favorite soccer player ever, not only because he played for Liverpool and was bad, but uh, it just like it pissed me off so much seeing how hard he would work and how much he wanted to win. And that that automatic like that having a direct link to their success on the field. Um, and I think that that you need those types of players to win in, in this league. And I, I think that's probably a redundant point to make to Sounders fans because they, yeah, I, I, every, nobody's arguing that Nico Adero isn't good, but like, you just didn't, you didn't see that from Zlatan. He scored a ton of goals, but he didn't work that hard. Like you have to have that, that factor in your best player, the best player on your team and arguably the best player in the league. And I, to be fair, I think not to, bring up LAFC again because I know we've sort of moved on I think Carlos Vela has that that aspect as well he just uh, happened to be playing with a 16 year old and um, <laughs> limitations <laughs> yeah and uh, his coach seems to make a habit of getting rolled over in the playoffs by our coach so um, yeah like I, 
I love how hard this team works and it's, I think it gives people, it's, it's, it's tough to like kind of talk about like, this is a hobby. Like we watch soccer for fun. Basically. I know like Jeremiah, it's partly your job and and whatnot, (laughs) but call me out, (laughs) (laughs) but like you, you have fun watching this game. And right now, none of us are in the stadium for any of these games. I like, you know, as media members, we have the opportunity to go, but we, you and I, Jeremiah have not been going to the games. And I think a really important aspect about this team is, and a really important aspect about how hard this team works is that it's giving us something good, like inherently good during this time where we're all stuck at home. We were talking about the, how bad COVID sucks before we recorded this podcast. We record, we started recording late because we were all ranting about it. Yeah. And, um, it and it's a ton of pe- like these people make a lot of money <laughs> doing this game but they're also giving us something like tangible to hold on to. And I just, I really appreciate that about this team. That's all. That's my rant. I think what I would add to that is, uh, you know, interesting and connected thing. I think that maybe part of what allows the team to work so hard for each other and for the team itself is, the fact that they all just seem to have a lot of fun, uh, whether that's when they score goals or when they win or whatever, but the the Sounders front office does a lot of work to make sure that the guys that they bring are bring in are good character fits for the team and for the sort of family atmosphere or environment that they want to create. And, you know, you look at a guy like, Raul Rui Diaz, who they have made a huge investment in. And for whatever reason, his personality, his various character traits that make him, you know, through his Instagram, like a super passionate and caring dad who just loves to be with his kids. He is not too big for any of the guys down the roster on the Sounders, he seems to genuinely be friends with everyone and wants to see everyone succeed and have a good time. And he is stoked when he scores and he's just as stoked when a teammate scores and he, you know, jumps over a defensive player who's on the ground to go celebrate with Jordan Morris, who just scored a goal. Like the whole team has sort of a, the same vibe as like the rain under Laura Harvey. They are a team and they succeed together and they celebrate each other's successes. Um, That, you know, when the guy next to you is happy that you did well, it is easier to work hard to make sure that he does well at the same time. Um, Yeah. I think it's a difficult to quantify thing, but it is an important part of the club success. I won't belabor the, what, all the great things Tim just said, but I think a lot about Raul's Instagram because he is just like the genuine, like such a genuine, silly, like young guy at heart who totally loves his kids. And I just love his Instagram. I It's like one of those things, I think it's impossible to fake that stuff. And I don't know why you would necessarily want to fake that stuff, but it's like, I don't know. He's, his 
Instagram has to be the most lovable thing that uh, has come to Sounders social media in a long time. Cause it is just, it's just joy. Like it's just, he just seems so happy and he seems so like kid at heart. Like you said, it's, and it, and it just can't help but feel like that is all, that's all feeding into what's going on right now. And it's, and it's, that's the stuff that gives me confidence in this team um, that makes it hard for me to not be confident, even that it, it's like, I don't, I'm not for, I'm not talking myself into thinking that this is a team that can do something special. I really believe it is. And I think it's a lot of these things that, um, you know, who knows, I guess best laid plans and all that, but I do feel really good about this team's chances. Uh, I I'm really looking forward to to seeing what they can do and, and really having the conversation about like where this whole thing fits into the grand scheme. I don't think we need to get in, get ahead of ourselves. Uh, plenty of time for that, but uh, yeah. Uh, any, any last words you want to share on, on the FC Dallas match before we uh, bid farewell? Yeah, I think, I think one thing that, and this, this isn't to get too far ahead of ourselves, but one thing that stuck out to me in covering this team last year when they won MLS cup is talking to from the players to the coaching staff, to equipment people, to ownership. One thing that PR and, and, and everything, digital media people and whatnot, like hosting MLS cup final and winning in, in front of their fans, in front of the Sounders fans seem to genuinely change this organization. I don't, mean to bring that up as like well they they have to do it again but i just think that like doing that last year brought this team on the field and off the field to a different level that we have not been able to experience yet in 2020 because there's been a global pandemic that our country has particularly failed at and i think that whatever that something is i can't really put words to it but i think that that is fueling this team to success. I think they can lose to, against FC Dallas. I don't think they will lose against FC Dallas, but I think like they want to experience whatever that is with the fans again. And even, even if it's virtually this year, I think like, um, and I like, I'm making a ton of hand gestures. Nobody can see me because I don't have my webcam on <laughs> and you're listening to this in podcast form, but, and I like, Whatever that thing is, I think that that's what's driving this team forward. And um, like everybody else has said, I think that that's what's going to bring this team success. Yep, that, that seems like a good place to, to call it. Uh, so, thanks to uh, Susie Rance, Tim Foss, and, and Mark Kastner. I'm uh, Jeremiah O'Shan signing off for the Sounder Heart Podcast, and we'll uh, see you on next time.